Listening to a Rattlegen Broadcasting Premier Podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, the Mandator Reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattlegen. And tonight, Robert's favorite show is Lock and Key. Mark, why do you lie to the people? <laughs> Join Robert this Friday night as he does solo live commentary, uh, Joey Style style for Andre Boo Demetrius Andre Boo Boo. You. Try that one more time. Take, take wow, three. your look. <laughs> this is your stick. I know, and, and I goofed. I messed it up. And you can't even do it right. <sighs> take three. Hi. No. Um. <laughs> Go ahead. No, no, no. Start over. Start over. This will be funny. Go ahead. Start over. Good Hi, evening. You are listening. To, I know how to start the show. Damn it. Take four. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. You are listening to a Rattlegen Broadcasting Premier Podcast. TV party tonight. I'm your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And tonight, Robert's favorite show is Lock and Key Season 2, brought to you by Greg Berlanti, Robert's patron saint. And join him this Friday as he does solo coverage, Joey Style style, for Demetrius Boo Boo Andre versus somebody Quigley. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Mark, why do you lie to the people? <laughs> All the time. Whoop. Anyway, uh, so yes, we are talking about Lock and Key season two tonight. We are the and only ones. <laughs> we are the yes, every we are the only people on Earth talking about this show. Everybody else is currently talking about Spider Man No Way Home, but um, we'll get there in December. In any case, so I got a question for you as we get into the show tonight. All um, right, did you read the entire run of the Lock and Key comics? Yes. Okay. Well, hang on, I have not dipped it too much into World War Key or. Um, there's another kind of loose, uh, continuation slash spinoff that I haven't quite, uh, that I haven't read a whole lot of, but the, the predominantly like the canonical run. Yes. I've read all of it. Okay. How much between season one and season two has any direct correlation to the actual book? Cause I know I was on the source material for volume one or, or I listened to you and I, I remember reading it. Maybe I, I might not have been on the show. I definitely read the book, though, because I remember the artwork, but I don't think I made the show. And that's the one where you and Alexis wouldn't stay on topic. And Jesse did an entirely other podcast of your edits. Yeah, there was a fair bit of that. Mm -hmm. um, so how much of this season one follows a fair bit of the first couple of uh, first few volumes? Mm hmm. Uh, there's obviously a lot of changes. If you're interested in further discussion of that, see both the source material Mark referenced and our TV party tonight for Lock and Key Season 1. Mm -hmm. By the time we get to Season 2, this is basically Lock and Key in name only. Okay, so this... there's, there's thing, there are events that are mm -hmm. similar, but they've, they've so wildly deviated. That... You told me Eden is a creation out of whole cloth. My yes. question to you is... This whole this this season two revolves around uh, Dodge's plot to 
forge a key that turns humans into demons, which I have a follow-up question after that. Right. Um, does Dodge ever do that in the book? Is he ever after forging a key to turn humans into demons? Yes and no. Dodge does wish to create his own keys. Mm-hmm. He's not after one that turns humans into demons. Okay. But 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 a big motivator for him is to create his own keys. That his can... whole his whole plan, mm-hmm. and this should tell you a little bit how wildly this series has diverged from the original. Dodge's entire plan throughout the whole run of Lock and Key is to open the black door. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is a major thing trying to open the door. It doesn't open until the very freaking end. Oh, so this is already wildly different than the oh, first. Huge. They, they open the door at the end of the first season. More than once, <laughs> they open it like they, they open it on a lark. It's right. supposed to be a a big deal. Right. Dodge finally does again very near the end. He like he kidnaps the entire high, graduating high school class and gets them down there and gives most of them a choice. He he's uh, controlling them with the shadow crown, so he's like menacing mm-hmm. everyone. And the choice is the following: you can accept possession, uh, or you can die. Mm-hmm. All right, so that is and, somewhat and, in, li- in well, line with his motivations of season, season two. A little bit, and then his big deal, I mean, this is one of the things they kind of reveal, like, someone questions him, I think it's Kinsey, actually, who questions mm-hmm. him about it, like, what are you going to do? All right. You know, you can't bring the whole freaking world down here, and his response is, I don't need the world. Look, I get a few more people, so I have a, I have a bit of an army. Then I just leave this door open long enough for more of what used to be me. You know, my kind to come through, they turn into metal, and then with the whispering iron, I can make magic. Mm. I don't need, I don't want this world to turn into where I came from. Where I came from is the crawling chaos devouring itself. Like, no, nah, that sucks. I was glad to be out of there. But now that I'm here, I'm going to rule it, and this is my methodology for doing so. Which leads me to season two. So, season two. He wants to create, we're going to call, call it the demon key. Yeah, sure. He, he he wants to create the demon key. And so half of the season is spent on do, getting the resources, the elements, the people in order to do seven, that. I, I believe a full seven episodes. Um, And then the remainder of the season, he has the key and then he goes to use it to turn the townsfolk into demons. I will get to the separate thing with Kinsey in just, in just a few minutes, but I, I want to get through this first. Mm-hmm. Um. And, and he does. He turns a half a dozen people or so, or a dozen or so people, into demons. And I and I say unto you, did they ever expressly say what? Like, it was, get the things and make the key. Use the key to make the people. Step three, profit. Did he ever say exactly what step three, profit, was going to be? Uh, in the television series? Not to my recollection. It's, okay, that's um, my it, first... it's just a vague power grab. That's that's my major problem. One of my major problems with season two is the entire season um, is bent around his desire to create a demon army, and for no expressly stated purpose. And so the whole and so when it was over, I was like, okay, they defeated your evil plan, and you you know, and you uh, and you were destroyed. But like, what would have happened if you had succeeded? What was at stake here? What was your demon army supposed yeah. to do? None of this dealt with in the show and that is a major weakness of the like you you and i have different tastes when it comes to nighttime telly greg berlanti melodramas 
Just you don't you don't like the the almost the entire the entirety of the CW lineup. I like some of it. It's it's around enough people like it that it continues to exist. They don't, they haven't wiped the slate clean and started fresh. So yeah, I'm not yeah. even I don't even want to argue about that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, from a pure craft level, there are major problems whether you like that kind of thing or not with the writing of this thing. The writing of this show sucked this season. Sucked big time. It look. I think the writers. I'd have to double check about the how much of the uh, you know staff turnover there was between seasons one and two. Mm-hmm. season one for as piss poor an adaptation as it was in mm-hmm. almost every way at least made an attempt to adapt the existing material consequently they got to work from it, something that already exists and they could hide a lot of the flaws inherent to their own talent and ability behind the wall of trying to adapt something from a genuinely uh, and almost ridiculously talented writer in joe hill I also think they used season one, and we may have talked about this when we reviewed it, talked about, you know, they, they used the series to deal with uh, mental health in a lot of different ways. They used it to talk about trauma. They use it to talk about, like, the loss of a parent, alcoholism. They I mean... It, they do it all n- through the ridiculously flowery lens inherent to this kind of... Sure. But at least it was there. It, there, it gave some depth to an otherwise very light show, you know? Um, and that, that's what makes some of this stuff work. It's, it's what worked in the Arrowverse. It's what worked in some of the other Greg Berlanti CW type shows is that at least beneath the veneer of the silliness of the supernatural or the superhero, the two, the two major things that these shows tend to deal in, um, they were at least talking about something and talking about it in a way that a general audience can appreciate and understand and relate to. Which I think is is generally speaking, good, you know, good enough writing. This season doesn't seem to do any of that. This season, this season, just seems to be a lot of. It almost seems like it was trying to get us to season three, and that's all it was in the service of. This se- this season feels like, first of all, if Netflix renews this, shame on them. They did. It's already been confirmed. I can tell uh, you. Well, shame on them then. December 2020, ahead of the second season premiere, the series renewed for a third season. So, hey, guess what? We get to do this again next year. We sure we want to. I mean, I'm a completist. Look, I I understand that. I'm just saying. There's (laughs) there's no reason we can't cut bait here. (laughs) Maybe we'll do do a 10-hour watch along, and I can just see you slowly descend into madness. I assure you, my my watch of this did not take 10 hours. (laughs) <laughs> a lot of fast forwarding did you for the sake of my sanity um so the point there being mm-hmm. they had a strong enough foundation to work from in the first yeah. season here they've eschewed so much of the material they could be adapting there's a hand i mean there's some stuff that is loosely the same there's a few uh elements that are similar but they've deviated so much mm. that they're basically right that the third season is going to be their own invention at this point i'm n- i'm almost certain yeah to ask you, so the the se- we're going to be jumping all over this we're having a very general discussion i'm not going to go through this episode by episode like we typically the first five episodes party. are all the same stupid thing <laughs> so we're going to jump around a lot and just have a very general conversation try to keep up um <laughs> robert and i talked a little bit about this before but i want to say it for the show um 
I asked him about the British soldier who I guess is possessed by one of the otherworldly demons um, in flashbacks and then is unearthed, freed, as it were, by Eve at the end of the Eden at the end of the show. <laughs> she gets unceremoniously dumped down the well and he looks to be the big baddie for season three. And so my question to you offline was, is he an invention of the comics or an invention of the show? I'd have to double check the naming. Um, mm-hmm. there, is, there is part of one of the later volumes. It's called Clockworks. Mm-hmm. And it features a bit of um, observational time travel by Kinsey and Tyler. They mm-hmm. find a clock in the house that has a magic key that when you use it will let you go back in time and observe events in the past. Okay. So they actually go back to Key House during the Revolutionary War and observe the discovery of the portal, the first whispering, you know, the uh, and the and everything that kind of comes with that. So there, there, there are flashbacks in that particular in that sense in the source material. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no descendant of anyone from that who is now looking around through uh, the city. He's not the person in possession of the antique dollhouse. That's just in the house. Um, he does not come back at any point in time. Like there are, there are British soldiers during the revolutionary war in that period, uh, around there. That whole thing ends very, very badly with the, or with like the locks progenitor being the only one to survive after again, things go really badly when that door, when that thing is just left open, that is not a good thing. All right. So you've brought it up a couple of times. Let me give you a chance to just kind of yell and scream about this and get this over with. It didn't bother me nearly as much as it bothered you. But yes, a big theme of this season. I'm going to assume um, they were trying, they, they were, and I might be reading too much into this, maybe trying to find something that that, that the writers were trying to link this to thematically. But You are. I'm going to go out on a limb and say you are. You're giving these idiots way too much credit. <laughs> um, there is a lot there. Much of this season discusses the, the loss of memory of magic once you cross into adulthood, once you become 18. And um, it, this is all done through the, you know, the, the guys in the relationship of the eldest brother and his girlfriend, Jackie. Uh, Jackie is, you know, throughout, throughout the first couple episodes is just about 18 and is losing her memory of magic. And a lot of it deals with that. I'm wondering if that's thematically supposed to be a loss of innocence, but I'm not entirely sure how or why they're talking about that, if that is indeed the case. I... I don't know. It's it, like what do you? What is the I'm show trying giving, to tell you about becoming an adult or you know losing your childhood innocence? Like they, they, if I don't. That's, if that's what they're doing, they don't seem to have a perspective on it. it this is one of the reasons I think you're giving them too much credit. Mm-hmm. There's nothing said, right? I mean, the closest you can get is at the end when Tyler says, "I've made my choice about handing off the keys to my sister because the next season must be entirely female-led." I suppose. Well, the force is female. We know this. I uh, get bent. <laughs> anyway, uh, you wanted to. You, yeah, you, I you, you hated the law. Lo- you hated the focus on Jackie and the loss of memory of magic. So, talk to me about that. I, I hated so much. I didn't. I I don't hate it as a, as a, in and of itself, right? Like you, you tell me the characters are going to be dealing with this as part of this season. Okay, it's not the worst thing in the world to deal with. Sure. When you spend the first five to six episodes rehashing the same thing, 
mm-hmm. over and over and over and over and over again with no meaningful progress being made in terms of plot, in terms of uh, proactivity by our characters, in terms of anything. It, I, I don't hate it because it exists. I hate it because of how it's used. Yeah, they don't. This is bad writing. If the El- I can't remember the eldest brother's name, but um, Tyler. If, Tyler. If Tyler, Tyler is having to deal with his own mortality, his own maturity, his own, you know, through his his eventual own loss of memory of magic, you know, and and he's having to process all of this by watching his girlfriend go through it first, and in, in him, you know, if he had ever talked about how he doesn't want to give up knowledge of the keys and magic. And then by the end of the series, having come to grips with it and saying, I'm ready for this. I'm now ready to be a man. I'm, I'm ready to give magic is childish things. And I am ready to put away childish things. That would be that would be one thing. Tyler goes through. This is about I don't want to almost like I, I don't want to lose the special relationship I had that came out of my ability to manipulate magic around this girl. And. Yeah, it doesn't remember those things, and so it's like, I but don't hate. you want? Go ahead. Yeah. No, uh, I hate to do this, but no, do it. Only, only you don't know what I'm going to do yet. Um, I hate to do this only because it it'll date this podcast so poorly, but I can't help it. It's on my mind right now. Um, you know, Peter's thing with Doctor Strange in in the. By the way, as we're recording this, we just like watched the trailer, the second trailer for No Way Home, um, where the, where at the end of it, it looks like the Sinister Six are fighting Spider Man. Um, but anyway, in the even in the the first trailer, one of the things Peter says to Doctor Strange is, you know, I don't want the world to remember I'm Spider Man. This has made my this has made my life miserable, but I don't want to lose the relationships I've formed. By telling the people I know that I'm Spider-Man, specifically Mary Jane's Zendaya, and her name's not Mary Jane. I forget what it is in this, but MJ. Yeah, yes, you're very clever. Um, anyway, uh, and Doctor Strange says, "Would you please shut the hell up? You're, you're. I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm trying to mess with the fabric of reality. You little douchebag, shut the hell up." And he, and then he's sort of. You know, hemming and hawing about the whole thing, distracting Doctor Strange, and of course, Doctor Strange wrecks the spell. Um, but that's what that's it. That that's that, that, that's what Peter Parker's struggling with. I want the anonymity that comes with having you know a, the secret identity and all that entails. But that also made me a liar to my friends and family who I love and love me, and I don't want to hurt them a second time. I don't know what to do about this. And Doc and instead and talk and Doctor Strange. <laughs> Bless his heart. Instead of just stopping what he's doing, going, look, come back when you've made up your goddamn mind, you asshole. Just keeps trying to do the spell. And of course, we if he doesn't, we don't have a movie. Anyway, I, I point... also assume he can't stop it mid spell. Like, like things like th- there's horrible consequences to breaking that off once you like this. This is something they should have talked about before he started, because right. once you start the train down the tracks, mm-hmm. like the, I can't. I mean, maybe they do. We haven't seen the movie yet. My point is that. At least in the trailer we've seen, it seems like Peter Parker is truly struggling with that. Whereas Tyler isn't struggling with anything. You know what he's struggling with? His girl doesn't remember the dates they went on. (laughs) That's it. That is the sum total of his great frustration. And when at the end of the show, when at the end of the series, he's like, 
I'm ready to give up magic. I don't have a great sense of why, other than he's exhausted and just wants to be out of the house, away from his family, and move on with his life. The only other thing I can, maybe now that I'm remembering it, the only other thing I can think about is all of this has led to killing his girlfriend. Accidentally, tragically. But in the end, he caused her, you know, she was turned, he tried to save her, and in saving her, he killed her. And there may be an element of I'm I'm giving away magic because I've, it's already inadvertently killed one person I cared about. I probably don't need to deal with this anymore and inadvertently kill more people. So I'm just going to allow myself to forget it and move on with my life, which I can accept, except that I shouldn't have to say that out loud <laughs> to, to process it. It should have been clear in the, in the drama and the writing. I'm inferring a lot and hoping I'm right. That's a problem I have with the craft of this show. Yeah, it, it is. It's a real problem. And, you know, I, I, said, I, I don't object to him struggling with this as a base, as an idea. Mm -hmm. I don't even object to it kind of being a little bit centered around his girlfriend. Like, he's still a stupid teenager. Stupid teenagers do stupid stuff like this. Like, okay, I'll accept some realism here a little bit. Mm -hmm. But your execution is so bad that we drag our feet through five hours of this thing's 10-hour runtime, beating the same drum, doing nothing, advancing nothing. And it's a real problem with the show. It's It, it just is. The only interesting character, the one who probably annoyed me the least out of anybody in the show is Dodge. Dodge had a clear motivation. Dodge had a plan. Now, we've already talked about... <laughs> huh? In theory... Well, up until the point that he created the the the, the uh, vampire demon army, you know, he at least up to that point had a very clear objective and a very clear plan and motivation and everything was in service to that. And the, in the entirety of the way he behaved was consistent with what the ultimate goal was um, um, for a lot of it. Yes, my my biggest gripe with Dodge. And again, this mm -hmm. is writing. This is writing based. After about four episodes, you just knew they were going to do it. You knew they were going to do the big evil creature has actually fallen in love with Kinsey. Oh, my God. I wanted to vomit. Yeah, I have a like, major when we, problem when with we, that. When we got... This is something completely absent from the source material. I, I'm, I'm not going to compare this too much. I'm doing this only for the sake of compare and contrast, not how dare you change it in this instance. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Dodge character in that does have a relationship with Kinsey. But when the time comes, like, that's a little bit of his spiel after he's after she and uh, Bodhi. Actually, he's in Bodhi's body at that point. After she and a couple of her friends are dragged before the, the Omega door. Uh, and, you know, they're given the option. He says, you know, yeah, I'd rather not kill you here. You know, you're you're interesting. So. Except, uh, except possession by this, you know, demonic force. That's my, and he just says, that's my preferred outcome. But you only get one shot, and if you say no, I'm still going to cut your throat. Yeah, I nearly vomited, like, like really viscerally wretched when they added in this cliched thing of, I want you to choose this. Why? 
First of all, that is the worst kind of cliched, hackney, soapy, nighttime telly writing that I was ashamed for the writers. I was ashamed for Netflix for allowing this onto their streaming service. Like, have some standards. Pornhub had better standards than this. This was ridiculous. Before they killed all original content, at least. Yes. This was ridiculous. Like, how really could is. you? How could that pass through editing? You know, through through script writing, and someone say, "Come on, we're, we're I know we're lock and key, but maybe we're a little better than I want you to choose this." At There's which point, no the, good no, no, no. reason for that. At which point, everyone got really nervous. I imagine some writer voiced this, right? Someone in the mm-hmm. writers' room voiced this. Everyone got really quiet. Then an alarm went off. Then a couple of goons showed up, and the ghost of Greg Berlanti said, "Off with his head." <laughs> like yeah it, it's the uh, like if if doge's main dodge's main purpose it was to do what he did him needing kinsey to be his demon queen was utterly tacked on and it you know and I, i've i've really been irritated by the criticisms of ray we've talked about this at length when we reviewed the star wars movies ray's a terrible raise a horrible mary sue mm-hmm. but <laughs> <laughs> um you know, the I, I have defended some of the characterizations of Ray and some of the actions she takes in the movies. I don't want to rehash the Star Wars. My my point is that if you want to look at a character who has all this unearned attention and you know unearned um uh, unearned positive attention from other characters in the movie for no rational reason, no look no further than Kinsey. Kinsey is not yeah. written as an especially wonderful or a special person she's a girl and the most interesting thing she does is is have some bit of self-reflection after have after doing the head key thing in the first season of realizing she's a you know a paranoid anxious you know panicky mess and so she lets her fear out and the fear goes running into the woods to live deliberately um and she then becomes a more self-assured person for the next season and a half which does in no way make her special or having earned Dodge deciding to possibly have his entire plan upended so that he can be with this broad and then finally get to the line, I want you to choose to be my demon queen. None of those things connect naturally. It is all forced. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. It doesn't help that we've had four and a half episodes of Eden, the most useless character in the entire world, mm-hmm. going, don't you see? I, I know what's happening here. You're in love with her, and it's coloring everything you do. Why can't we just make this simpler? And I was going, shut up! It's supposed to be a twist. Yeah, I, she, her, her purpose seems to be to have some dramatic tension in the scenes with Dodge. Like, Dodge needed somebody, a henchman, a goon, to, to play off of which so they a, invented one out of whole cloth which is endemic of the terrible right like you shouldn't mm-hmm. need that right your villain especially if you've especially if you've gone through the effort to try and craft uh one who's able to that where there's some great tension where the audience knows mm-hmm. that you know that gabe is dodge but no one else does so we're just kind of waiting for that bomb to go off you should be able to mine that right rather than give him a goon an opportunity for menace and tension would have been the the and and they and instead of even having the eden character this should have been more with dodge and bodhi 
Yeah. That should have been a sleeping with the enemy kind of situation. 100%. And, and, and obviously Dodge and Kinsey, you know, and it's not. In fact, the stuff with Bodhi is kind of more played for laughs. It is. I mean, I would have been okay with it if we show that, you know, we show it's played for laughs the one time, mm-hmm. right? Like we get to show the relationship that they have and they decide he shows up. He's like, you know what? Let's blow off some steam. Right. Playing with the Hercules key. I was actually yeah, okay like, with that. Yeah. That, but it's, it's after that. Yeah. It's the fact that after that, they never do anything with it. Yeah. They, they never take their relationship any further. Every other time they interact, Dodge is a dick. Right. Like there's no, no one in this show behaves like a human being. <laughs> Right. And it's really frustrating. Um, and, you know, Kinsey reminds me of so many other w- female characters where they are, you know, all the boys are fighting for them. The villain can't focus on his plan because he's now in love with, with this heroine. And the whole yeah. show, ten- you know, they give all the best stuff to her. She saves the day. Every It's everything for the female lead. But the thing that I've always complained about in those situations is they don't take the time to make that character earn it. They don't create a compelling character to where you want to see them. You know, you want to see Wonder Woman be Wonder Woman, especially the way she's written in the Patty Jenkins films for all the problems. But, you know, uh, I'll, I'll give you the, more of those will, movies have. I will give you the first one. Absolutely. I mean, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, as she is written in in, in the Patty Jenkins movies, is somebody you want to see succeed and find true love and be happy. She yeah. is not a miserable. She, she was a bit dingy being a, 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 you know, in the first movie, being a um, stranger in a strange land. But ultimately, she was not a bad person in any way, no. shape, or form. You wanted her to be, to, you know, to find love with yeah, Steve you, Trevor, and you wanted her to save the day. You save that for Wonder Woman 1984 when she turns into a fairly terrible person. <laughs> when she becomes a rapist. Uh, but <laughs> you've just got us demonetized on YouTube. I'm warning you. <laughs> Every show. Um, they don't, li- they don't like that word. Okay, I said grapeist. With, with, with <laughs> it, it's, it's too late. Grape. Um, too late. Uh, no, no, I, I think you're to get back to your actual point. I think mm-hmm. you're entirely correct. There's this broad assumption that just being a woman is an interesting character trait. Yeah. And it's real. Look, I hate to break it to you. It's not. <laughs> it's it's really endemic of where we are right now as a culture, isn't it? Where being I, I don't want to single any one minority. We've already singled out women, and that's certainly one of them. But that but that is but that is not women, the only minority on. that, for, that's guilty. For the of. record, women aren't a minority. There are more women in the world than men. They are considered a political minority. Um, well, that's different than a statistical minority. So, thank you. Fair enough. Anyway, um, we are now living in a culture where a handful of different minorities um, are considered special by virtue of just being a minority. There's yeah. no work into creating. There's there's no work into creating compelling characters. It's just woman, black person, Hispanic, I mean, Asian, you, and uh, that look, is it. Look, you've reviewed. You re- you have reviewed the Teen Titans on HBO Max. I have. You know of what you speak in this particular respect. Well, I was actually thinking about Shang-Chi. That you know, too. Where we, we kind of referred to him as a, I think in that review, we talked about him being a personality blank slate that you yeah. can project yourself into, which is fine in your 
hero fantasy show to where, you know, if you want yeah. to project yourself into that, you know, and have the power fantasy that goes along with mythology, comic books, superhero movies, etc., you can get away with that. In a in a drama such as this, it's not going to fly. It's not a strong enough pillar to hold everything else up. It's really not. And it's a shame because Kinsey in the comics is a much more interesting character. We have talked a lot about the writing of this show. It fails on multiple levels, as we've already Pretty, discussed. I'm going to assume it fails on every level and multiple words are misspelled in the script. <laughs> well, you know what would help them with the spelling and the writing and all of that? Well, it would have helped them with the spelling if you want something that if we we are not sponsored currently by any software or company that deals with more overarching narrative building tools that help you. And those exist. So if you would like to sponsor us, we are happy to read your ad copy. But we are sponsored by Grammarly. We are, which could you... have which could have easily saved some of the run on sentences that these people are guilty of. For you listeners of TV Party Tonight on the Rattle and Broadcasting Network brought to you by W2M, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar punctuation and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. So download Grammarly today. Go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, it's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. I will say one nice thing about... I will say two nice things about this show. One, I didn't hate all of it. Um, when I complained to you the first time, I was complaining about something very, very specific. But for the most part, you know, like I said, this sort of thing doesn't really bother me. Uh, but this is, but that's a personal taste thing, and I don't really want to debate it. Just, just know that this wasn't as, nearly as offensive to me as it was to you. Um, there are there are problems with it. It's not a well written show, but I wasn't sitting there the whole time. For the most part, there were there were definitely parts where I did, but the overall experience of watching it was not the worst thing ever. I will tell you probably my favorite thing, and I know it's my favorite because it's the only thing in the show that stood out to me where I was really paying attention. And I was like, hey, I, I like the way this all this all plays out. When Eden decides she's going to get drunk at the party and Kinsey takes the opportunity to go into her head to figure out what's going on, and she comes to the realization that Eden is not Eden, but Eden has, in fact, been possessed by a demon. I, I like the entire construction of that scene from the head key creating a makeup bag for her to crawl into to crawling down in there and her brain is a perfume shop and the perfumes have memories and the sudden realization of oh crap gabe is dodge eve's a demon i'm in trouble run like hell ah mannequin zombies and <laughs> they're having to climb out of there i don't I did she realize that Gabe was dodged during that sequence, or was it late? She I sure think... did. Okay, I could. I just tell you how forgettable the majority of this. The is. first or second episode where he turns the key and to remind everyone who had forgotten the first season that Gabe was dodged. Um, that memory is in one of the first yeah, yeah. bottles. Okay. Anyway, I just I like the look of it. You know, these are cheaply made shows, so cinematography not going to be great. Um, nope. and they don't even make great use of the. Uh, you know, of the natural scenery of the Northeast, you know, in in, in the Massachusetts area. It's because they, that's because there's no way this is shot anything on anything approximating location. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it looks like a chiefly made CW show. They all looked at, like this. It's kind of a, who cares? Yeah. So when I, when it, some, it, it's generic tween light. Yeah. 
but I will say I like the look of that scene. Um, so I'll ask you, is there anything that stood out to you in the entire 10 episode run of season two that didn't make you want to pull your, your face off? A performance, perhaps? A, a, a line of dialogue? Not really. Okay, the whole thing's a dumpster fire. Moving on. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, I get where you're coming from with that particular scene, and I respect your position on it. I think that's one of the more defensible sequences that was put, that was committed to film in this particular mm -hmm. season. I also, I will say this, now that I'm thinking about it, other things I did like about this was, until they killed her, was the treatment of Erin. Uh, the going into her head, finding her, realizing the reason why she went catatonic is because her spirit self and her mind was hiding from Dodge. Um, her trying to, that's around the time that they try to give uh, the brother's memory, the, the uncle's memories back. Yeah, and they do. Goes, and He goes a little the, crazy there. This might, for the record, this might be the worst iteration of what's supposed to be a schizo affective disorder i've ever seen on film <laughs> talking about the brother or are you talking yeah, about Aaron? Duncan. Okay. no because yeah. that that's what happens they put memories in his head mm -hmm. that he's constantly both trying to assimilate and forget at the same time right and what you what you're supposed to get there i assume based on my own understanding of mental health and whatnot and how what you what happens when you are constantly at odds with reality right you're basically schizophrenic at this point to one degree or another well if that's what they were going for see i didn't think that that's what they were going for because that's so far removed from what schizophrenia actually looks like that looked like he was having like sudden onset amnesia and migraines yeah like he, he looks like someone who's been on a meth bender for three days <laughs> like yeah, they they do such a piss poor job of trying to portray the struggles this guy is going through right. and his mental health collapse. It would have been a better representation of what was going on if the memories of the past were impeding on the present and he were acting them out. Yeah, like, like the, there's so much you could. I mean, this was for the record. I, again, I'm not trying to compare and contrast to say how dare you change anything. Mm -hmm. Wasn't a problem in the. Uh, in the source material for uh, the explicit reason that all of the whispering iron had been used and anyone could use it to make a key. Mm -hmm. The contrivance that only the locks can do it is just that it's almost as stupid as the bit in the first step in the first season where the demons can't take keys from them. They have to be given to them. Right. Which is, utterly ridiculous yeah it's and like it, you can't feed your mugwai after midnight it's always after fucking midnight yeah so so what if we cross the international dateline yeah what about right. the, like i mean look i'll give the mogwai thing some credit in the sense that if it has to be what after midnight whatever time zone you happen to be in so try not to travel with it otherwise but, you could but when confused. does after midnight end does it end at 1 1 a.m 2 a.m 3 a.m 6 a.m noon is it only between 12 a.m and 11 59 I don't know. What are we that's... talking about? It's such an <laughs> ill-defined rule. Like it, I love Gremlins as much as any kid who grew up with that movie, but the rules were not well thought out. No, and yeah, there really did need to be a more specific time limit on that. I, my assumption for that was between noon and sunrise. So for whatever that's worth, I, I was gonna go with a twelve-hour period, but you can't know. feed it. Can't feed it between midnight and noon. Yeah. Uh, of course, if of course if they had said that, that would have solved that problem. It really would have. Uh, anyway. Yeah. 
And bear in mind that all of that, as far as ridiculous contrivances go, mm-hmm. comes in a distant second <laughs> to Duncan in the finale going, hey, I made that key. Ergo, I can use it no matter who turned them into a demon. They must obey me. Like. Right. And, who and, thought this was acceptable writing? Yeah, it, it should have been followed by, and then the dam broke. Well, and, and then the, the cavalry came, but well, it was too the, late. And then the house, the, and then the house on the edge of the cliff that <laughs> make, we've never seen before and exists only for the sake of a crappy CGI plant battle mm-hmm. collapses and falls into like. What only would have made it worse is if one of them had said, "But what if we time traveled into the future and then left the key, left the key there for us to pick up in the present, or, or time traveled in the past, put the key there." So that we could find it in the present, and they reach in the bushes, and there it is. Uh, I'm referring to Bill and Ted. Yeah, but I could live with that if they showed the time travel. Okay. My point being, again, you'd have to actually start, show it. You when you start right when when you when your writing is no is no way above the level of two kids playing in the yard and one going, "I have a force field." You have failed as professional Hollywood writers. You failed as amateur writers. There's shit on Reddit <laughs> that's better than this. What your slash fiction hobbies? You know, hobbies and habits are your own. No, yeah. I don't. Need, no, I don't even mean like. I don't even mean the trashy stuff. Just go on No Sleep, and you'll find better writing than this. Till Brooklyn. Did you know that was a Beastie Boys song? No, the only Beastie Boys song is Sabotage. They're all the same. That's right. Anyway, um, <sighs> I, I do have to complain about this, and then I'm going to let you kind of get out whatever else you have to say, and we'll start to close up because I don't really have a whole lot else. I fucking hated Bodie in this season. I really did. They, that, you defended him when I complained to you about this privately and said, the kid is a better actor. He is given nothing to work with in poor direction. Fine. I accept that. I don't really need to argue about the merits of his innate acting ability. What I saw in this show was the... Bodie is the most grating, whiny, uninteresting, badly written character in this entire show. And he wasn't that bad in season one. He really wasn't. Like the writing for this for that character goes so far off of a cliff, mm-hmm. it should be studied. <laughs> like that's how bad this is. Other people should cite this in textbooks as examples of what not to do. <laughs> like his acting suddenly got Jake Lloyd levels. It was it was that bad. I I genuinely blame the direction for this and the writing. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen that kid not only in season one but in other movies. Okay. Like, <clears throat> excuse me. He's not that bad an actor. Like again, he's a I kid actor. He's a kid actor, so you know the bar's mm-hmm. low. But he's never been Hang a on. detriment like there's, this. There's, there's Boba Fett Jr., Jake Lloyd, and the kid in the, in the Sixth Sense. I mean, even for kids, there's levels. Uh, yeah, okay. Boba Fett Jr. was the worst, but yeah, I gotta yeah, get with you. The dirt worst. I would genuinely take Jake Lloyd's Anakin over Boba Fett Jr. in. <laughs> genuinely. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, the the point being, you know, that poor kid is given nothing. Yeah. And not just in the writing, like whoever's directing him at any point in time is just like, they look at the script, they look at him, and they went, well, sucks to be you. I am not sticking my neck out for you. And his response was... seems to have been, well, watch what I do to your product. 
There's a scene where after he's bonded with Dodge in the in the in the um guise of Gabe, um, shoves him to the ground, and Bodie is supposed to feel betrayed and hurt and surprised, and he's supposed to have this range of emotion, not the least of which is abject horror at the sudden mistreatment by who he thinks is Gabe. And the look on his face is so unbelievable it took me out of the scene. I f- this is one of the things I'm going to blame the directors on. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, director. It's on you to get that kid to do what's necessary. Right. If you looked at what you got there and went, okay, <laughs> let's break for lunch, everyone. Like, that's <laughs> on you. That's a failure of direction. I mean, I, I got to look and see when principal photography for season two started, but this feels like like they this might have been a um the effect of the of the pandemics and the lockdown uh that happened over the course of shooting whereas they they were behind on schedule because of lockdowns and the inability to shoot things and so i'm wondering if they shot this thing at, at a gorilla pace to get it out in, in a reasonable amount of time and stay on budget and so they it was a lot of first takes and not a I, whole lot of direction I, for the actors. Like, whatever yeah. performance they give is fine. I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, that that's really one of the only explanations here. Mm-hmm. Is, is something like that. It's, it is bafflingly bad. Uh, the, the, the choices they went with here and what they made that poor kid do. I'm looking. Um, principal photography for the series took place between... February 11th, July 5th of 2019 in Toronto. Um, The second season began filming September 21st, 2020 and concluded April 16th, 2021. Okay. So they shot that at a breakneck pace. And if they were still, and if they were still in Canada, yeah, they got locked down more than once. Oh, they've already shot the third season. They must be in post-production now and editing and whatnot. The third season began filming May 3rd, 2021 and concluded September 17th, 2021. God help us. This can't go on more than to a fourth season, can it? I hope not. I (laughs) I, really do. I actually saw your brains like (laughs) like spark for a moment. Like, I don't know. here, And I I only react. I don't react that badly just because I hate this. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I really don't enjoy, I did not enjoy, like, season one I had my issues with. Right. But I think on, I think there were positive things that we came, that I came away from that first season. Like, my overall impression, negative. Easily yeah. negative. But, were there good things about season one? I actually think there were a few. Mm-hmm. Then we get to season two, and suddenly there's nothing. Yeah. Like, I, I. I don't know what season three is going to be or look like. I genuinely don't. Mm-hmm. I have no earthly idea what they might even consider doing for a fourth season. There's just no way. Well, I mean, look at the, look at the, what they've already got set up. They have the British soldier who now has to figure out his way around the world. He doesn't know the modern world, presumably. So he's got to figure some things out. I'm sure there'll be some hilarity in that. Oh, yeah. Okay, Kinsey is now... Um, is now uh, from Masters of the Universe. I I so look forward to her (laughs) inevitable angsty romance with Scott, uh, the, I think it was Scott, the, you know, writer that she kind of, that they've been making Google eyes at each other for Mm -hmm. 
you know, all and then finally got together kind of at the end of the season. The British black kid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was kind of talking about before. With I don't know, no, like he likes. That's, I'm like I'll go along with that just because I don't care enough to. I mean, look, she's not an unattractive gal, and she and 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 you know, and when she started to become sure of herself, she started dressing in a way that was I would I would not go as far as to say it's provocative, but she you know for for she went I, from I, she went from like baggy jeans and flannel to something mm-hmm. that actually looked decent on her. Yeah, she she shows off a lot of her shape, and for. And I'm trying to be very careful with this because we are talking about what's supposed to. I don't know how well she is in real life, but we are supposed. But we are talking about it. What is supposed to be a teenage girl, and I don't want to sound creepy. Age of but, <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, but she shows off a lot of her shape, and she looks very shapely. And they the the costume department dresses her very nicely. And if you're a teenage boy, and that's in front of you, and she even shows you a modicum of interest, I get on that level why he would be interested in her. But after everything they've been through and he's gotten to know her, I don't know. There's there's no believable writing that makes me think he'd want to be with her still. Like, she's, especially after all the shit that they went through with what they thought was Gabe. I'm going to let you have the final word. I don't really have anything else to say. I don't, I don't want to wrap this in under an hour. This does not deserve a Jupiter's legacy conversation. Um, but, uh, I I mean, we'll continue to talk about it. I'm, I'm hoping that they can pull themselves out of the uh you know out of the nosedive we'll see there's no way (laughs) i think for your own sanity i hope it's better but if not we will continue to document the uh the the burning of this thing but you can have the final word here yeah there's nothing here to this the season of television Mm -hmm. like again even if i were even taking this show on its own terms which is you know setting aside everything i know about the source material right this is a crappy season of television. There's nothing here. It's repetitive. It's boring. And I don't just say that in the sense that I was bored. I mean, there's long stretches of this thing. Where the plot doesn't move. Yeah. It's boring. The acting is wholly dependent on how much time and energy the director's willing to put into it. Because... In fairness to the actors, they're all capable in the general sense. Like, like no one here feels like they're reading from cue cards off off camera, mm-hmm. which I, is an impression I have had in the past about other actors. <laughs> no one's quite doing that. But they're not good enough to elevate crappy material in any sort of meaningful way. And like I said, they're wholly dependent on the directors and how much time and energy the director's willing to put in to help them along the path here. Um, this show spends an interminable amount of time with uh, Nina and what's-his-face? The the uh, history teacher. Oh, I didn't mind that. I mean, they're, they're, I'm going to talk about this more on Thursday with Alexis. There are no Amy Ryan and Steve Martin but I mean, you know, as, as cute TV couples in, in the middle age of their life go, they were acceptable. And I would have found them acceptable if we hadn't done the same stupid thing that every TV show does. Boy, we had an awkward introduction. Oh, it turns out our kids are friends, so maybe we should try to make up. Hey, it looks like there might be a little bit something here. Oh, no, I've got a quasi-dark secret. Oh, no, you're kind of an idiot. Ah, friction. 
Quasi breakup, quasi get back together. What the hell are we doing here? It seems like you're commenting on the hackneyed writing. I am. <laughs> and the layout of this show, which is terrible. Um, I think the last thing I want to yell about, and I'm going to try to be brief here, the finale sequence, wherein an army of mind-controlled zombies charges, Scott wearing the Hercules belt, and Tyler armed with the alpha key. This is badly shot. It is badly staged. It is badly choreographed. You took a character in Tyler who, an episode and a half ago, I seem to recall, used the alpha key and inadvertently, to his knowledge, killed his girlfriend. And kind of decided he wasn't going to use this thing because... I must find a better answer. Don't you understand? I don't have, I'd rather all of these sinister six not die fighting Spider-Man as is their fate. And I will ruin the universe in order to accomplish this goal. You douchebag. Don't like Spider-Man. Stay tuned for our review the following week after December 17th, when Spider-Man comes to a theater near you. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> you take him from that to blithely using it to fend off an army of people. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm gonna do this because because I think it's a it's called for in this instance. The alpha key in the original source material does do what it does here. It separates a a demon from the host body. Unfortunately, when it does so, the demon returns to being Whispering Iron because that's their fit. That's their that's what they look like. That's what they are in this world if they're not attached to a host. Okay. So doing so, they, the demon kind of nestles along your spinal column, which is one of the things this, uh, that they showed here uh, when Dodge is a ghost and Chamberlain says, I can see the thing on your back, you know. <laughs> and he kind of half turns like, like it, it just, so that separates from you and then becomes a bit, a giant chunk of me, hunk of metal on your spinal column and in your heart. You're going to die. The reason he goes through with this, and this is not touched on at all here because this show issues anything approximating intellectualism, <laughs> that the possession by the demonic creatures is so potent it extends to your soul. This is why when Dodge is brought back as an echo, he's not brought back as Lucas Caravaggio. He's brought back as the possessed creature because that thing is still linked to him and this is a fate worse than death. So... While it is tragic to have to kill people to separate the demons from them, it is literally, I shouldn't say literally, it is much more in the, I am saving you from damnation, because that's what this causes, and I'm sorry you're dying, I really am, I don't want to kill you, but there is no other way, and this is better than you living like this, and definitely better than you dying like this. So you take what is a rather heady, philosophical almost concept here about the nature of the soul, the nature of humanity, and what lies beyond. And I, look, I almost threw something at my TV monitor when Jackie initially comes back normally. And I'm like, okay, so everyone's going to get their happy ending, you pedantic, milk toast bullshit series. And then no, Jackie dies. Like, okay, maybe there's something here. And then we get to the end where a bunch of people die, but they're all faceless goons, so no one cares. 
He uses the Alpha Keon dodge to separate Lucas from the demon. Um, the woman that they chucked into the dimension full of demons comes back, apropos of nothing. Uh, yeah, I don't understand how that happened. She just erupts from an from a pile of rubble. I'm like, weren't you in the dark dimension prior to that? She was. Yeah, like which which the other thing was like when you know, when they yoinked her into when they heaved her into uh into the dark dimension into the negative zone, I thought that was supposed to kill her. You'd think, wouldn't you? But <laughs> like, no, was there can't... atmosphere there? It looked like space. You'd think so, but no. So of course she comes back, and then Rufus right. gets to have his mom. The ridiculous amounts of sappy. Uh, like sappy, shallow, milk toast, crappy writing, mm -hmm. wherein nothing can actually change except to the one thing. In this case, it's going to be Tyler heading off and passing on, literally passing on the keys to the kingdom to his sister. Uh, uh, this show, if you know the source material, is exponentially worse than it is on its own terms. And on its own terms, it's still crap. There's there's no interesting characters. There's terrible writing. It is terribly paced. It is dull beyond all reason for the material we should be dealing with. And there's... I Look, here's the other thing about this. The first season of this show had buzz. Not, not much after it came out, but in the build-up to it, a lot of people who had read the source material were curious. Like Netflix is willing to do things with television shows. It, I, what will they do with this beloved IP? And the answer was hand it to a bunch of morons. So, but the point being, the first season had a bit of buzz. People cared. For better or for worse. Mm -hmm. Usually for worse, but they did. I don't think Lock and Key Season 2 cracked the Netflix like top 10 trending for its debut. I'd have to double check that, but I don't think it did. Like, no one cares about this. There was also no lead time into this. Like, normally I get two or three months notice before anything, you know, debuts. This was like coming in October, and it was like September 29th when it was announced. Like, it was really late, like really close to when this thing um, appeared, when they announced that season two was coming. That was like my great frustration with doing this was, like, I had laid out, two or three months worth of shows and i'm this isn't like me whining about the schedule it's just like you know they they had announced only murders in the building titans doom patrol wu-tang months ago and so i knew exactly what kind of order things were going in and i knew more or less about when they were going to end to program them into my calendar and then in the midst of all of that they were like yeah and in you know and in two or three weeks in october lock and key and i'm like wait what <laughs> like to to give you an example when did they announce the Witcher for the for December? It was oh, months ago. yeah, I want to say like July. Right in July, they announced the Witcher will be out in December. Not for nothing, and this is the other extreme, but just as a point of fact, they announced the Lord of the Rings series on Amazon for next year, like September of next year, yep. like, which is crazy. Um, I think when Disney announced like its spring shows, it was what March, and they said, "Oh, you know, Loki was was happening in May or June or something like that." 
Uh, could have been. Yeah, like they had announced two to three months. I mean, the more recent one, Hawkeye. Hawkeye, they announced a couple of months ago yeah, for, for November. Uh, December. No, no, it starts. starts oh yeah, yeah, the, they're week, they're week to week there. Yeah, so right. it'll wrap up around Christmas. Correct. Yeah, uh, look, no one cares about this, and I don't just yeah. mean the executives at Netflix. I mean, there, I don't know that there's a legitimate fan base for this because of what this show has done tonally and content-wise. It's Jesse and I reviewed October Faction. We did the book and we did the show, and this was before the lockdown when when Jesse and I used to do a lot of this kind of stuff. Like, like I was really committed to doing all the comic book adaptations because Jesse had the time pre-COVID. Um, yep. He no longer does, and I'm at this point. There's not a lot of appetite for trying to tackle all of these for the reasons you're stating. October Faction, this, a couple of other ones have not been, you know, have all been in that Greg Berlanti type nighttime telly melodrama that don't reflect the tenor of the comic. And so yeah, these rapid, not, like the, nobody cares. There, there's a real odd trend for a lot of these. Mm -hmm. The first season, they tend to adapt, right? Like they're taking something that exists and sure, they're making it stupider. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, but in some respects, they're trying to appeal to a wider audience. So I, like, I understand some of the push and pull here. Mm -hmm. I am, I am not some, again, I'm not the guy going, how dare Peter Jackson, not just film every page of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. There are people like that out there. They're weirdos who don't understand the art of chain of adapting material from one medium to another. Say everything you just said and apply it to the Marvel and DC comic books. Same answer. You're weirdos. Yeah. Look, look, people who read comics are weirdos. There's not really any two ways around that. <laughs> uh, as my dog loses her mind. Please wrap up. Um, yeah, there, so no one cares. Again, I don't think anyone really cares about this show. I'm pretty sure the writers don't care about this show, given what they produced. Uh, there's, there's so much of this kind of thing and so many other even in this genre this very strict genre there's better iterations of this there are people who swear by riverdale yeah they're alexis, idiots <laughs> alexis and i uh did all these seasons of sabrina uh the chilling adventures of sabrina and i would tell you that you know and then there are people who swear by supernatural so there depending on which seasons of supernatural i'd agree so i mean if you're if you're looking for you know, sexy teenagers dealing in magic. There's plenty of those shows out there. If you, you know, you don't have to settle for this type of mediocrity. Yeah. Like I, again, I kind of hate to say it because I, I, I haven't seen a lot of those shows, but if this aesthetic is something you're interested in, I mean, supernatural doesn't deal with teenagers, but if this aesthetic is something you're interested in, if this like subgenre kind of appeals to you there's so much better than this yeah there's, there's so much just... better than this on netflix there's so much better than this on yeah. the cw uh i wouldn't give you riverdale riverdale is just deep fried ass okay you but... think so but eight seasons of this good stupid show no 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 no, no disagree no. with you uh, hang on here here's the thing about cw shows <laughs> they they renew them no matter how bad they are or how little people watch once they hit that woman <laughs> Once they hit like three and a half seasons, mm -hmm. unless there's a big, unless the 
um, unless the actors don't want the increased pay scale or just fall out of love with their project. Like that's the only thing that does it. They kept Everwood around for five or six seasons when it didn't need to be. They kept One Tree Hill around for five or six seasons. Dawson's Creek for like these are a hit. I don't know. It was more so than the others I've referenced. Yes, hundred percent. Like the point being, the CW is so bizarrely stretched for content. (laughs) Like if anything's, even if it's mediocre, like Riverdale is mediocre. But it has a, it has a, it's a small fan base because it's the CW. There's no such thing as a large fan base for CW properties. It's also an Archie adaptation. And it's also insane. Have you watched the last couple of seasons? No, I've actually never watched the show. I just know it's popular. The point, the point is so we can point, wrap this up. Yeah, the, the point is there's better. You deserve better. Shame on whoever decided this property should have been adapted into the young adult melodrama style. It was a terrible decision. Shame on the writers for being this bad at their job. Because this yeah. is a horribly written... I, I, like I said, I, when we, I don't remember... I mean, I know you had you struggled with it because it was so divergent from the source material. And it was in the tenor of the of the thing. The aesthetic wasn't something that appeals to you. But outside of that, like because I didn't know any of those things and I didn't read the book. I'm like, I did for the source material, but you read the I, first volume, which they yeah. cover in about like two episodes of the, of the show. So, so like I said, the first season I actually thought for this kind of show was actually written pretty well. I like the, the, the quality of the show felt, felt so off with this season. Like it, it was, you know, we, we talked about it already, but it was so alarming. In any case, that's our review of lock and key. We'll, we'll do it again when it when they do season three, and hopefully that's the end of it. Netflix, on average, seems to do about three, four, you know, unless unless it's like, you know, Orange is the New Black, or what was the one with uh, Kevin Spacey? Um, House of Cards. House of Cards. You know, you've got a real prestige show. These things don't seem to last more than maybe three, four seasons max. Short so, shelf life. Yeah. Um, they get in, they get out, they move on to something else. You know, they, they got a Netflix's life's blood is novelty, whether it's movies or television shows. So you're not going to find 12 seasons of anything, you know, unless it already existed, unless it already, yeah, unless it already newly produced content. Um, with that said, I will tell you one last thing, um, that did not, that Normally in a show like oh, this. Oh yeah, let, let, let's let's do this. Here's the last thing I want to criticize about the style of this thing. It's CW esque right down to the crappy music inserts. Yep. There's one stupid pop song that plays over and mm. you, the dumbest writing imaginable when when they like right after Aaron dies, which is the only death that sticks in this stupid show, and somehow we're supposed to be sad about a character we've known for 90 minutes. <laughs> dying yeah it is you know kinsey and tyler going evil dies tonight so, sorry i mean um <laughs> well let, let's get this out this there. has to end, like yeah <laughs> just right down to the stupid pop songs you would think that in a show that should really be appealing to you know to tweens and teens and early you know early 20 year olds that like to binge watch television that they would have more compelling more um hip music but there's no good music in this but if you want to hear good music we, ha- we happen to be giving away a free 30-day trial of the amazon music unlimited service uh if you go to get if you click the description in the podcast the, the link in the description of the podcast get amazonmusic.com 
slash W2M network. Again, it's getamazonmusic.com slash W2M network. Um, you can insert your own soundtrack into Lock and Key. You want to listen to, you know, Night Songs by Cinderella or uh, 777 to Hell with the Devil by Striper. Or, you know, you want to hear Bang Your Head, Metal Health will Drive You Mad by Quiet Riot. Might uh, I suggest, uh, because we're having, I think the anniversary of this particular song is coming up. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the collaboration between Ozzy Osbourne and Lemmy of Motorhead, Hellraiser. There you go. Hellraiser. You can find it all, all 70 million plus songs in existence of humanity on amazonmusic.com. And you can stream it for free for 30 days. If you like it, you keep on it. On us. If you don't, you can cancel it. No fuss, no muss, no pains in the butt. All right. With that said, I'm done talking about this. You're done talking about this because I said so. How many more ways can we say this, this season sucks? Let's move on with our life. Tomorrow, more TV parties for you. We have our review of AEW Full Gear, um, uh, which if you're, which average wrestling wrestles averagely. There's my review. Chris Bale, he will tell you more. Tomorrow, and I'm we will... sh- I say this with love. I'm sure Chris Bailey will just splooge everywhere. Yes. Um, Chris Bailey and I will review full gear tomorrow. And then in the evening time, I'm more excited, more uh, more positive review. Like, if you're listening to this and like, God, they just hate everything. Not tomorrow night. And you want to know why, Robert Winfrey? Tell me why, Mark. Because Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. If you say so. I do say so. I told my son today, I said, I want you to go into your classroom and I want you to tell Miss Cell that the Wu-Tang clan ain't nothing to mess with. And, you know, and when she, I actually, what I said to him was, I said, Jonas, I want you to go into your teacher. And when you say with today's lesson, if you want beef, then bring the ruckus. And when she looks at you quizzically, you say Wu-Tang clan ain't nothing to mess with. I don't want you to say fuck in front of your second grade teacher. Yeah, that would go badly. <laughs> and, and walk away and completely no sell it. <laughs> just, just go sit down. She'll either get it or she won't. It won't matter. I am, I am raising my son well, the appropriate way. I'm sure the Wu-Tang Clan is on a watch list that keeps them away from elementary <laughs> schools. So Wu-Tang, you dirty old bastard, is for the children. Yeah, so is Sandusky. I'm sure they have something in common. God damn it. Anyway, so all that to say... <laughs> I don't, look, I don't trust anyone that says they're for the children like that. Y'all are pervs. Speaking of getting demonetized, uh, myself and Jesse Starcher um, will be reviewing the second season of Wu-Tang, an American saga. Uh, and then on they're Thursday... They're on a boat. And then on Thursday, <laughs> myself and uh, Pat Mullen, and maybe Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey... We don't know for sure. We'll be for doing sure, our for sure, for sure. We'll be doing our mania of WrestleMania 10. The rise and rise and rise of Bret Hart. Um, and that's it. We're but we're only doing WrestleMania 10. I know we've been doubling up on these WrestleManias, but I wanted to focus on WrestleMania 10 because we also have to talk about the steroid trial during that period. Um, but yeah, so we'll look at Wrestle- we'll do the history of WrestleMania 10 tomorrow, and then tomorrow night. Uh, speaking of TV parties, we're back again to do uh, Only Murders in the Building, starring Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. Um, Saturday night's all right for fights. Um, we'll have a re-airing of The Martian to coincide with the release of House of Gucci a week from tomorrow by Ridley Scott. Uh, and myself and Daniel Lasby 
We'll be doing alternative commentary in theory for Terrence Crawford versus Sean Porter. Hey, what is your UFC uh, coverage look like Saturday? Like, I don't need to know all the fights and everything, but is that an early one? Is that a late one? Uh, is, I give me a are, second and I will can check. You be on, can you be on deck if he bails out for Crawford versus Porter or no? Uh, one second. While he's doing that, um, blah, 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 blah. Let's see if we have the start time for that yet. Um, Sunday, we'll have a re-airing of our Zootopia, uh, speaking of positive reviews, our Zootopia review from a couple of years ago, and that's to coincide with the release of Encanto. And uh, we'll have a new member of the Rattledge and Broadcasting family. Despite the constant kvetching of the people who do this with me that I twist their arms and, and overload them with too many shows, more and more people want to record with me. It's like a cult. Uh, <laughs> so Elizabeth Faust, who was on the feminist perspective on Black Widow with my wife, friend of the family, and a, uh, and a musical um, theater person okay, in her own on. right. Okay, hang on. What time does the main event start for that for Porter it's a, and it's a nine o'clock showtime pay no, it's a nine o'clock ESPN pay-per-view. So okay. so Canelo, apply that. Um I might be free for that. The main the main card for this event starts at four my time. Oh, if it starts if the main card starts at four, you'll be done well before nine o'clock. Hey, hang on. Well, look, the main card is also like five fights, so hang on. Um, in any case, what I was trying to get I, to is... Yeah, I think I should... Again, I should be free around then, so that... Be on that, deck. That will depend largely on how some of the fights go. Fair enough. Um, take three. Elizabeth Faust and I will be reviewing Tick, Tick, Boom. There's something about Jamie and Diana, the musical. Yes, we're doing a musical-themed triple threat this Sunday night. Uh, you can check out all of our re-airings of the Ghostbusters shows. Robert and I screaming at each other for two and a half hours about Ghostbusters 2016. Um, the Ghostbusters display source material that Jesse and Ronnie did. And then myself and Sean Comer almost spending three hours talking about Ghostbusters 2016, Ghostbusters 1984, and Ghostbusters 1989, I think it was, or 88. I don't remember what year it was. Uh, plus our reviews, uh, Harry Broadhurst and I are going to be spending one show a month talking independent wrestling. Um, so we started off our coverage of the indie shows with House of Glory featuring a main event of Will Ospreay versus The Amazing Red and the XBW Rebirth Revival. Uh, plus myself and um, Robert so Winfrey. Does that, so does the XPW Revival last long? What's the, how does that last relative to the FMW reboot attempt? Like which one survives longer? <laughs> we'll see, I guess. They've got a show scheduled for January. Uh, finally, yeah, so did Ring of Honor, which we'll be reviewing in December. Um, finally, 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 Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey, myself, Robert Winfrey, and Ronnie Adams reviewed Red Notice and Army of Thieves, and it went about as good as you think it went. All right, it do your plug, <laughs> do your plugs in two minutes or less. Go, I'm counting. Oh, you're counting, are you? Yep, you have oh. until one seven, you have until one hour, 17 minutes. Go. Well, good people, I thank you very much for tolerating everything that we've done here this evening. I appreciate your support of our suffering when watching this particular show, because this was not an easy watch. This was a terrible, terrible season of television. You can find me covering professional wrestling and mixed martial arts action in the in, over at 411mania.com in the wrestling and MMA zones, respectively.
AEW on Monday, MLW on Wednesday, WWE on Friday, and then the UFC on Saturday. I host the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast, your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts, wherever you're listening to this on your podcast apps. You can find it there if you search for it. And I thank you very much. If you're interested in mixed martial arts, give it a listen and throw me some support over there if at all possible. I deeply appreciate it. Had an odd spike in my numbers for a couple of events, largely, I think, uh, buoyed by the uh, status of UFC 267 and UFC 268 happening back to back. But I'm at least moderately hopeful that's building momentum and not just a random spike that will not uh, translate into anything else. You know what will help you? If you're known for doing live streams of boxing events, because we get a lot of traffic for those. So if you uh, if you do Demetrius Boo Andre versus Jason Quigley, that'll bring in all, bring in all the numbers for you. No, it won't. <laughs> Which is part of the problem with Demetrius Boo Boo you know, um, I, I have to watch Tick, Tick, Boom with my wife that night. But if it ends before the main event starts, I might actually do a solo one on that. I'm going to try. What do you think? I think you won't. And I think you shouldn't. And it's okay. Why do you think I do you think I shouldn't because I'm terrible and shouldn't talk about boxing and you don't know why I do this? Or no, because no, no. Of Demetrius Boo Boo Andre? Mostly that. Like <laughs> the, the effort you put into that endeavor. Mm hmm will in no way translate into anything related resembling decent traffic. <laughs> and look, that's just the reality of Demetrius Andre. He's a, he's not a bad fighter. I mean, I, I joke about this. Mm -hmm. I, he's not a bad fighter. Not at all. No one cares. He is. I mean, he's fighting on a Friday night in New Hampshire. There's a, there, there's definitely a level of meh. <laughs> like, look, this is not me saying that the man, again, that he sucks. He doesn't suck. This is not me saying that he's not an underappreciated talent if we're just talking about his talent. He is. But there's reality. I mean, Canelo's running from him. No, Canelo's there are people <laughs> Canelo is trying to avoid. Yeah. He's All not right. fighting he's not fighting Andre because that's literally not worth the paycheck. And speaking of not worth the paycheck, that's our review of Lock and Key. For Robert Winfrey, I'm Mark Radledge. Be well, be safe, and behave. <laughs>